Good morning, podcast listeners. Hope you're having a wonderful day. My name is James Noak. I'd like to welcome you to episode number 75 of the Knife Journal podcast. Kyle Verstig, and this will this might be the last episode that he records from Iowa. It could be. I'm moving in about two weeks. Yeah. So, and uh, <clears throat> so this could be the this could be the last. This could be a, another historic first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't. I can't envision. A, I would probably never move back here. Um, the only time, only place I would ever live again would be Okaboji. Uh, Okaboji's real nice. Yeah. Uh, close on the house today at two. So awesome. Provided awesome. that all goes well, I should have a a pretty nice little uh, home in Michigan. Yep. Yep. Nice little spread. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. So lots of big things happening. Um, I'm leaving on a on my expedition today for I'm going to be gone for uh, five days of uh, side scan surveying uh, the area of our shipwreck that we found. What what's and, uh, side scan surveying? <clears throat> it's where you um, you basically get on a boat and you drag a towfish, which is a it looks like a torpedo. Yeah. Behind, behind the boat for uh, about every hundred foot. You, you do it like you're mowing the lawn. Yeah. In fact, they call it mowing the lawn. Um, you go back and forth at a hundred in like hundred foot lines. Uh huh. You know, for maybe um, uh, a two mile stretch. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, or a mile stretch, and and then go. You cover an area that's uh, well, the the area that we're going to survey is two square miles. So okay. we'll, we'll we'll make a pass every hundred foot back and forth. Yeah. And um, uh, for cover that strips. And what the side scan sonar does is it sends out a, a sound wave, and then it, anything that reflects back gets received by the towfish, and then through a computer program it interpret interprets the the sound pattern as an and displays it as an image. Okay. So it's 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 actually quite. In the grand scheme of things, quite old technology. Um, the uh, you know they've been using sonar on submarines since you know almost since there were submarines, but not quite. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and and but the but today the sonar is much much more sophisticated than it was you know even 25 years ago. Well, and now you've got the GPS to tell you where to start your scan and you don't have to yep, worry yep. so much about the currents and stuff pushing you out of right you out know. of swack. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of cool. So we're going to be um I'll be on a boat for for about 5 days. Nice. And um yep. And it's a pretty you know, it's not like it's a motor yacht. <laughs> it's so a, so how do you guys a, eat on there? Um, well, there, this is a 60-foot fishing boat. It's a, um, uh, a big net boat. So it's got a, it's, it's 60 foot long and it's got about 40 foot of open deck. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and so what we'll do is, um, put our equipment, our, um, uh, sensitive equipment down below, and then we'll probably cook up on the deck with a small hot plate or a, well, hot plate, I, I'm going to bring my two-burner LP uh, grill. We have um, about six guys that are going to be on the boat the whole time, uh-huh. and uh, and we're going to have a long day, so we'll be cooking on the boat. So I've got a I've got a two-burner uh, propane uh, grill that Griswold uh, stove that I have, uh-huh. and uh, fry pan, and a, and one of the other guys is going to bring a, a Weber gas grill, and uh, so we'll grill and. We'll, we'll probably eat all three meals on the boat okay uh, every day so we'll be out probably 16 hours I'm guessing yeah and then do you dock at night yeah yeah we'll dock at night and crash and uh, um, you know basically sleep in bags and cots and uh, where um, well either either on the boat or 
in a in a local house that's right there. There's a oh, okay. uh, a little cabin that uh, one of the guys tends to like to rent, and then we'll all just crash in there on, you know, on the floor or whatever. Okay. So what are you bringing so, for knives? Um, well, I'm bringing my dive kit, all my dive gear. So I'll have my uh, um, all my dive accoutrements, which would be like a, I think it's a Spiderco Rescue uh, folding like a folding sheep's foot that's fully serrated uh-huh. and it's got a, a um, glass punch on it on the back side of it. Okay. It's a, it's a nice little knife and it's really nice for the BC. I've got a, <clears throat> I've got it up on my BC and then uh, um, for the sake of tradition, I carry a leg um, knife. I've uh, switched out my, um, my Randall to a mission, um, MP, the hell is the model number of that? MP, anyways, it's a Mission Titanium fixed blade. Okay. And uh, I carry that on my leg. Sweet. And I don't know if I'm I'm going to be doing diving, but I may. Um, <clears throat> you never know, so I always bring my dive gear. Uh-huh. And uh, case we have to go and in case we run across something that's very substantial that needs to be quickly investigated um so you know that's why i carry it but it's it's not really the plan uh-huh. but you know i may i may dive um and then of course i bring my you know i'll have my like my little fork and spoon i'll have um the basic pocket knives that I normally would carry. Um, I have my uh, flashlights that I would normally carry, my headlight that I would normally have. Um, I'm a big fan of um, uh, Princeton Tech EOS uh, lights, headlights. Um, They're not real bright. They're not real dim, but the batteries last for a long time. Okay. You know, those kinds of things. I'll bring... uh, course my shaving stuff my toiletries and uh because you know you got to be fresh when you're <laughs> on a boat with like <laughs> five other stinky ass guys you know you yeah gotta you want to be... <laughs> you want to try to not be so offensive <laughs> yeah so um you know just you know just the basic basic stuff i mean we're not we're not backpacking anywhere we're not you know so you're yeah gonna, you want to try to be somewhat comfortable yeah, boating is a little different than backpacking. You don't have to yeah. worry. You know, I think the the thing that I would, uh, if I, I mean, I don't have any experience on, I mean, I've been, obviously I've been on boats, but I've never been on any kind of a, you know, like six-day thing like you're talking about. Right. The thing I would think about is that there's only so much space on a boat. Right. And so... that's. I wouldn't necessarily care so much about weight, but I would care about um, bulk. Bulkiness, yep. Yeah. And the other thing that we're, uh, we have to address right now <clears throat> is it's going to be 40 degrees. Oh, yeah. That's a tough yeah. temperature, too. Exactly. To, to have the so, right clothes, and then if it if it's raining or if the wind yeah, and, well, and it's gonna blows be water too. up over the deck. So yeah, what, do you, what gonna, do you use for, like, rain gear in those? Well... I have, uh, you know, the military Gore-Tex pants and jacket. Okay. Uh, outer shell. Uh-huh. And then, and then I wear, um, well, actually, the last time I was, I was out in the cold, rainy shit was uh, I took that wool um, anorak and put that on and then put my, my rain gear over the top of that. Boy, that makes yeah. a big difference. Wool is, you know, I know you don't, you're not a big... No, I like it. I, I love wool in the right conditions. I just don't. I just don't like it all the time. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to tell you this: being on the water and being uh, on a boat in 40 degree weather and rain. Yeah, that's wool. That's, that's wool, wool temperature. Yeah, that is 100 percent wool temperature. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so I'll bring that. I'll bring that with, and uh, you know, a couple of wool sweaters and. Um, I probably have poly long johns on because of the, um, just because of the temperature. Yeah. Now, what do you wear for like a pant? Oh, I'll just wear either like 5.11s or my blue jeans. Okay. Yeah. You know, nothing, 
nothing, nothing horribly, fancy because you're going to have yeah. a shell on over it, likely. Right. Yeah, you know, and then I'll have a float coat or a um, um, float coat or my outer shell, or you know, I'll bring like three three different jackets. Uh-huh. Um, I have a I have a Mustang float coat. I have uh, my outer shell that uh, that is Gore-Tex. Um, then I'll have uh, I also have a um, one of those belts that you put on that that uh, inflates when you if you go overboard. Uh-huh. If you, if you inadvertently go overboard. <laughs> which believe me, it when can the water happen. temperature oh easy when the water temperature is forty two degrees, you don't want to have uh, you don't want to be in the water unless well, you're unless you're geared up for it. Well, the and then yeah, and then the other thing is is that uh, what what actually kills people a lot of times is uh, when they hit cold water like that. There's a uh, involuntary gasp of of breath, like uh, they just <gasps> like that, and they uh, will do that even if they're underwater, and then right. they're toast. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it, water is not to be messed with or underestimated, especially if it's colder. Mm-hmm. You know. And and with and it's interesting because in Michigan, you literally the water temperature isn't ever like the ocean you know you don't have warm currents you don't have i mean hell we still i mean the other day it was 80 degrees and we had ice in petoskey in the bay we still (laughs) had we still had ice chunks floating around i mean big big like it like it blew all in um you know so even in the in the middle of the summertime you will be extremely lucky to have a surface temperature out on the lake now toward shore a little different but out on the lake, you'll have a surface temperature of like 60 degrees, and you'll be lucky to have that kind of that kind of temperature. Mm-hmm. You know, you go 10 foot below the surface, and it's then it's you know 40. Yeah. You know, so it's a it's a hell of a thermal mass to have to try to heat up. Well, yeah, and then I remember from when I lived in Chicago that the temperature of the lake didn't even didn't peak until like October or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You well, know. and you know what's what's really funny too. Since we've gotten the zebra mussels, the water stays colder longer hmm. because a lot of the material that was that was in the water that heated up a lot of particles that was floating in the water, mm-hmm. um, they would absorb the absorb the sunlight and heat up faster. Yeah. Now you don't have that. You you. A lot of the lake is a lot clearer now than it was like 10, 15 oh, years ago. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. Like I, when and I lived in Chicago, the lake was clear, but not like now. Yeah, now yeah. it's it's like the Caribbean there. Yeah, it's it's really funny. So what happens is the water doesn't heat up like it did before. Mm-hmm. You know, it because when the water has particulate in it, that absorbs more sunshine and obviously heats the water up faster. Right. When that stuff's not there... The sunlight doesn't get doesn't get absorbed like it like it would normally, or mm-hmm. like it would with the other you know when it's when the water's kind of murky. So, you know that's another thing that it it's not heating up like it used to. Right. So, you know, so it's it's it, there's ups and downs to all of this. You know, it's it's cyclical. It's you know people are always getting their hair on fire because something's you know they just don't remember it. They don't remember the history. And, and they don't realize that this all these things have happened before. Right. You know. Well, so uh, the question that everybody's going to want to know uh, is, uh, of course, in order to get on a boat like that, you have to know somebody. So take that out of the equation. What if somebody um, wanted to get to a position where if they knew someone, they could get on a boat like that, what kinds of qualifications and skills should they develop so that uh should the opportunity present itself there well uh, an asset to a team like that yeah one of the things that you have to obviously uh have for the have for the program is passion you know that's like the number one thing i mean if you're passionate about about whatever the project is uh a lot of times that whoever's in charge of of uh of the project will will recognize that and that carries a lot of weight mm-hmm. then you have to add to it some kind of value uh for for the team that you're working on whether it's you know you're just an awesome cook 
<laughs> right. And you're gonna and and the and the guy wants to really appeal to um, uh, to to all the team members uh, uh, gastro. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you know and. But the other thing is, you have to have skills that kind of relate to, um, to whatever the project is. Like we're like we're doing shipwrecks, so um, I'm I'm a very good diver. I'm a very good navigator. I'm a very good boat driver. Um, I have, uh, I mean, and I'm just talking about what what I bring to the table. Right. Um, you know, I can cook. I can be miserable. You know, I can be in a miserable environment and not complain. Um, one of the things that, that, uh, is really, really important when you're having, trying to have a successful, um, uh, expedition is not to have whiners. You have to have people that are, yeah, I mean, this is positive all the time. Yeah. This is an adult thing. This isn't, you know, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big deal, you know, and if you're, um, if you are uncomfortable with, less than a five-star hotel uh, accommodations, then then these kinds of things probably aren't for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, eating in less than, you know, eating on paper plates, sometimes eating less than the best food, sometimes eating burnt hot dogs or, you know, something cold or... Making you know, do. Yeah. You're, you're basically going to make do and you're not going to complain about it. Yeah. Um that's a that's a big that's a big deal. Um, but like mm. I said, the the skill set that you need it depends a lot on the expedition. You know, I mean, if you're if you're like um, if if the if the goal for the expedition, let's say, is to go and secure an environment and build a camp, right? Which I've I've done those kinds of things before. Um, what's a good thing to have is not only to be able to the skill set to be able to shoot and understand security risks. But also, the added value that you bring may be like you're a mechanic, like you can get things to run, like you can, uh, maybe you're you're skilled as an electrician, or, and I won't even call myself an electrician, but I understand electricity. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand how breakers work. I understand how you know how to wire a generator up to a to a building to to light it up. You know, I understand a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. And so, so it depends on what what the expedition is involving, what kind of skills that you may need. I'm gifted because I, uh, not gifted. I'm lucky that I that I was raised by the guy that that raised me. That he knew he was he was um, basically a farmer. Started out as a farmer, went in the Marine Corps, and and then after he got out. He worked in the maintenance profession for a long time in, like, uh, big physical plant maintenance, like for Burroughs Machinery and Ford Motor Company. He was in charge of all the maintenance of the truck plant for a lot of years. And so he knew how to do, you know, he had millwrights and he had uh, pipe fitters and he had uh, welders working for him. And having those guys work for you, he picked up all of those skills also. And mm-hmm. he was able to, uh, to pass a lot of that on to me. <laughs> And I, I'm very blessed for having that uh, that offered to me. Um, so, so people learn how to learn how to work with your hands. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a big deal. Uh, no matter what expedition you go on, um, there's always something that needs to be jury rigged, or uh, I'm, I'm not going to call it what we normally call it, but um, you have to be able to improvise it's like the most important thing because you're never going to walk into a situation that you know you step aboard a ship and everything that you ever wanted was there as a as and the crew is there that has a machine shop that can build anything you might need right you know that that's not that's not reality that is you know somebody that's got an unlimited budget working for some university and you know, chances are whatever it is that they found has already been found by somebody else first. It's just mm-hmm. they're the ones that are getting the publicity. And I'm I'm talking about, um, you know, the Titanic. Let's say was, you know, there's a lot of different stories about how that was found, but it, none of them are really true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was already found years prior to 
to Ballard's expedition. Okay. Um, you know, he kind of takes credit for it, but that's not the way it was. I mean, there was a whole other reason that was found. But, but it, when you go out on expeditions, nine times out of ten, you don't have an unlimited budget. You know, and and a lot of times, what the um, what the most of the budget goes for are things that you can't provide yourself for free. Mm-hmm. You know, and that would be like if you don't have a boat, a boat. If you don't have side scan sonar equipment, you got to get it from somewhere. You have to rent it. You know, this expedition, I think the sonar. I want to say just the sonar unit itself is like a couple grand a day. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, so you have to. So everything that that makes your comfort. As part of the budget, every every bit of the of you know that section of the budget is very is very meager compared to the to what you're actually there to do, you uh-huh. know like if you're you're actually there to to let's say like we're doing side scan you're there to side scan well guess what the meals aren't a big portion of the budget a very very small portion you know bologna sandwiches and you know so and if if that if that kind of stuff upsets you then probably it's not a good thing for you right. But, so um, go ahead. So um, getting back to some of the things that you can do besides attitude, which are fairly obvious, um, you mentioned like uh, the navigation and uh, like uh, uh, being able to drive a boat. Now there are um, if you're if you're going to be uh, piloting a boat, there are certain um, licenses and things like this that you need to get from the Coast Guard. Um, Correct. Correct. Uh, so that, that would be something to look into if you're wanting to get right. into that sort of thing. Right. Like I have my 100-ton master's license with towing endorsement. Right. That's And that's actually kind of a big deal to get that. Yeah, yeah it is. It's uh, I can operate boats uh, upwards of 100 tons, which is about a 70, 80-foot boat. Yeah, commercially. I mean, I can drive a you know ferry. Yeah, well, of course, of course, I don't have I don't I don't have the um, because I do other stuff. Uh, uh-huh. I don't have the um, like. Let's say if I wanted to go work for one of the one of the uh, ferry companies and drive boats back and forth to the island. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, I would have to work my way through their system until they trusted me enough to operate one of their boats. Mm-hmm. And and be the skipper. You know, you can be first mate for a long time, or, or yeah. you can be. You know, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can do that. But, um, but like to uh, operate a commercial vessel, um, I have a license to do that. Yeah. So that that's something. And and actually, to get that license, the the big thing is you have to be able to document 360 days of experience on a vessel. Right, and they they it needs to be ninety of those days must be either on ocean or near coastal waters, or you're right. limited to like inland waters well, only. What's what's interesting about that, and and uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but an ocean ticket is easier to get than a Great Lakes Master. Great Lakes Master's license is is carries more weight than an ocean. Nearshore and uh, an offshore ocean license. Right. Um, and I, I'm not exactly sure why that that is, except for maybe that there's so much more that can go wrong um, on the lakes. Hmm. Uh, but but I know it's more difficult to get. And then uh, like dive certificates. Um, you know, number one. So where I currently live, there's no possibility of me getting a dive license unless I uh, fly to the Caribbean for a week and take a dive course there, which may or may not be good. Right. Um, if you live well, near water like the Great Lakes, like where I'm moving, I can get a dive license no problem locally. Right, right. You know, There's there's a lot of nice dive shops around, and um, uh, what you do is you start out with your uh, – well, in fact, if you don't, if you've never done it before, they a lot of dive shops will have a uh, um, a try it class. Uh-huh. Well, they'll, they'll take you to a pool and have you don some gear and swim underwater for a little bit. Right. 
with like the basics of, you know, well, the first time you do it, you know, you could be in three foot of water and basically sit down and stand up. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to, it's not likely you're going to drown in something like that. But, but the, um, uh, when you go and get certified to, um, to, to be an open water diver, um, the certification company, you know, it's, it's, they put restrictions on you to, uh, you know, you're not supposed to go over 60 feet. Um, and, you know, they, they're basically trying to develop the skill set of being comfortable wearing your gear underwater and being able to understand things like Boyle's Law and what nitrogen right. does in your blood at two atmospheres, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and that is really, really, really important to grasp that concept of, of of Boyle's law because you can die very very quickly. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. And and uh, just you know doing repetitive dives at thirty at thirty three feet. You know you if you had a dozen tanks of air and you came up and did repetitive dives after one after another after another through ten tanks of air you probably wouldn't live very long after. Oh, you yeah, did unless that. you had a hyperbaric chamber. Right. Exactly. In which and, case. Um, uh, You'd be okay, but that's you know the, the where they're doing those crazy dives like that, where the guys are in, in the water all day every day. They have a hyperbaric chamber, and they right. come up well, and depressurize, you know, and and do what they're supposed to do. Right. Well, the so, thing is, is that you, um, if you're doing, if you're under thirty feet, <clears throat> you can work all day. Hmm. You know, if you're under one atmosphere, you can work all day. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get bent. But you go below an atmosphere, then you start got to, you, you start having to have to pay attention to your dive tables and your times. Yeah. Um, you go to sixty feet and you're basically limited to about an hour of bottom time a day. Yeah. And uh, uh, and then once that happens, you pretty much real the expense really goes up on a dive operation. Yeah. Uh, you're if you're doing something that's at eighteen feet, you know. The, your limiting factor becomes the temperature of the water, you know, mm. because you, you can work as long as you can tolerate the cold. Right. You know, if you've got a hot water suit, you know, maybe that's a little different. Your hands get warm, you know, you can do a little, stay a little longer. Mm-hmm. But if you have a dry suit and a, and a pair of wet gloves and a hood, um, no matter how much insulation you have, eventually your your hands are, and head are going to get cold. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's... it's uh, um, it's very, it's, it's a lot of fun and a lot of guys, uh, are really good at it. Um, some people dive, but they don't dive enough. You know, they maybe go out, you know, to the Caribbean once a year, they go for, you know, a three day dive trip, you know, and they're considered divers, you know, they're, they're still considered divers the same as, as I am. Um, the kind of, the kind of, Stuff that we dive in up here is uh, deeper, colder, um, can be, uh, uh, you know, conditions can be much more brutal under the ice. Uh-huh. You know, you're going out on the ice, it's 20 below zero, you're digging a hole, you're cutting a hole in the ice, you're going under. You know, there's, it, but the one thing that's the most important part, besides the boil law thing, is understanding your gear and being comfortable you know, breathing underwater. Right. Because if you're if you hit the water and you're panicked, uh, you can you can get you can get in trouble real fast. Oh yeah, no um, kidding. You know, you have to be careful of fishing line. You have to be. You know, people don't realize how strong fishing line is, uh, it, because on the surface it seems like you can just you know. I mean, even you, you can break fishing line, but if you take like twenty pound test line, it takes a lot to break that. Mm-hmm. You know, you get wrapped up in that, and you can be, you can have a hard time getting off the bottom with, you know, with fishing line yeah. attached to you. Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra-modern CNC components and old-world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand-convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers.
So, um, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about some knives in the news here. And I have uh, two quick stories. The first one is uh, from Bloomberg. Uh, and, and they're just basically mentioning that uh, knives are the new guns in lawmakers' Second Amendment expansion. <laughs> and our nice. good uh, friend Ethan Becker is mentioned in the article. I didn't know that he was, uh, he provided the startup money for knife rights. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, you didn't know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. I had no idea yeah. that he was the guy that financed that. Mm-hmm. But they do uh, uh, good work. And, um, you know, a lot of states just kind of quietly under the radar are getting rid of the switchblade laws and things. And I think they're trying it in Iowa this year, but I haven't heard whether that is actually going to happen or not. You know, you know, and it's funny because uh, that was a that was a law that came into play, and I think we've talked about this before, because of a movie. Uh-huh. You know, because of a movie, we got afraid of switchblades, and um, uh, so it was a total panic mode thing. You know. Uh-huh. And I, and I think Americans are we've we've forgotten our past, you know we've forgotten how we got to be country. Um, you know now we fear everybody's shadows. Now we're we're afraid to draw a picture. We've got people on the news saying, "Oh my God, don't draw a picture and insult uh, whatever his name is because they'll try, come and try to kill us." Yeah, you know, and and here. You know, and I'm I'm like Jesus. Are you kidding me? What is happening here? You know, we're going to give up our our freedom of speech because somebody's insulted. <laughs> no. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, well. At any rate, bringing it back to knives. Um, yeah. The other thing that. Uh, well, that's that. They want to cut your head off, so with a knife. So that's. Yeah. It's still knife related. Right, but I mean. no but but the so the switchblade laws were were really they were basically panic they were they were a country in panic yeah it was like a moral panic thing after a movie after a movie literally after a movie Mm -hmm. it just lets you know how how powerful that media was uh during that time yeah they could they could create a movie that could could wreak such havoc Mm-hmm. That, you know. Yep. So I'm glad that they're resending that in a lot of places. Okay, so um, that that the, that law now uh, we need to talk about that again. Um, I've been worried for a very long time that eventually uh, they would try to call assisted opening knives <laughs> switchblades, and in some places they do. Um, like that, yeah, but they don't, uh, the problem is, is it doesn't stand up in court. Well, it doesn't most, meet the if, definition. If you have the money to fight it, it doesn't stand up in court. Most right. people just plead guilty and take the charge, you know? So like we've talked before about how in New York, uh, if they see, if a cop sees a pocket clip or a, a clip on the side of your pocket, it's probable cause for him to pull you or to stop you. And then they'll take your knife out, and they will figure out a way to flick it open, even if you, even if it's like, even if you've never been able to do it before. Um, and then they'll be able to call it a gravity knife. Yeah. You know, like uh, they'll they'll hold your knife in such a way that, you know, and 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 that's uh, that was one of the one of the things that people were most convicted for. I, you know, and then it got to a point where it was so that, ridiculous that even NPR did a story. It's like, okay, these are guys who are like bought this knife at the local hardware store right around the thing, and they have to use it in work, you know, because yeah. they work construction, and you you have to have a knife to do this. And it's not like they're buying switchblades, and they're either walking to or back from work. Yeah, like, and and they're still getting harassed about it, and you have to take the charge on that, you know, because you have say, to defend yeah, it. It makes me it makes me sick. I, I some when I hear stuff like that, I just think, you know what? Fuck New York. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you know, that, let them be their own communist country. Well, okay, so um, obviously, the, obviously, that kind of oversight doesn't work in Chicago and doesn't work in New York. It doesn't hasn't limited crime any. 
sure as hell didn't help Baltimore any. Okay, that so actually, actually, that's what I'm uh, getting at here. So um, I, I do not want to go into the politics or anything else regarding the Baltimore thing, other than to say that uh, the police are claiming that he had a switchblade in his in his pocket, and it was um, uh, at least according to Doug uh, Ritter of Knife Rights, it was an assisted opener, which is not a switchblade. So now you have um, the the thing that's interesting to me here is that now you have um, liberals who hate anything that makes you more manly. So they they you know they hate guns, they hate knives, they hate uh, baseball, they hate football, they hate everything, and they take every opportunity to bash it. And uh, now you have liberals saying, well, it's no big deal to carry a knife, and it's not a switchblade, it's an assisted... They don't even fucking know what an assisted opener is, but they'll sit there and argue. <clears throat> you know, it, it's amazing how 99 times out of 100, they're trying to take it away from you, and in this one instance, they're so pro-knife, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, you and know then, what's, and then, what's... And then vice versa. Now you have guys that are conservatives saying, no, that's totally a reason to arrest someone and throw them in jail if they have one of these switchblades on them. You know, well, you know like what's, the what's, hypocrisy what's on both sides makes me sick. Well, what's funny about the whole thing, and I, and I don't really know how, uh, I, I don't really know what the solution is to this, because this is a, you know, this is one of those things where they talk about, like, the uh, open carry thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've talked about, it's kind of retarded to, to do that, but I do understand that, uh, you know, it is our right to do that. Um, and, and all the videos that are, if you look at, uh, YouTube, you, you look at all the police officers that are made fools, fools of by a few guys with a video camera. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just, it, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the solution is to it. I, I understand what they're, you know, but you also have uh, you also have a law enforcement community that is saying, okay, we're getting gunned down fucking left and right. Two more last night in Mississippi. Right. You, you know, we're getting gunned down left and right. Why the hell are we even doing this job? Yeah, exactly. You know, and they're gonna and and you wonder if that's part of the whole, uh, um, you know, the whole government conspiracy to to freaking. Uh, declare martial law and federalize the police officers. Well, you um, know, uh, they're actually <laughs> calling to just have federal police now and not have yeah. local police anymore. Yeah, yeah that's and that's a freaking great idea. Well, too. yeah, it's you know what federal police are called? <laughs> Brown yeah, Nazis. Yeah, Nazis. <laughs> okay, so um, but the, but the, so you so you've got like on one hand you've got this you've got this community that's actually running scared. They they don't want to do anything against anybody that's a thug because apparently this kid in Baltimore was a thug. He was a a um, uh, a drug dealer. He was not carrying a knife to to and from work. He was he was you know he probably couldn't get his hands on a gun. And that's why he was carrying a knife. Right. But and right, and it, which is which is you know violate some of the rules about concealed weapons because you're considering it a weapon not a tool you know so there's a big there's a you know i can see how this argument goes on and on and on and on and on and eventually yeah. hoping for somebody with the wisdom to say you know make a decision on this is how this is going to be handled and, and i'll tell you what i wouldn't want to be the guy yeah well, because it, it, everything no you easy. do is going to be called into question, even if you yeah. just arrest someone. And and I don't want to get into the the politics of that particular case, but um, the thing is, is they're using the police are now using that as their probable cause um, to arrest him. So, um, does that, the, I see? I've the, not even because, heard no, anything wait, about what happened. Wait, um, what it was? If you if you saw the charges against him. One of the things was the prosecutor said that they had no business to arrest him in the first place. They didn't have any reason to arrest him. Um, so they're saying now that the uh, th they thought that the spring-assisted 
knife in his possession fell into the unlawful category. Um, and the thing is, is if they if they reasonably believe that it was, then it's a reason to arrest him. You know, even if uh, later inspection and you know a legal thing, legal case determines that the knife was lawful, it doesn't matter. At the time, if they thought reasonably, you know that that's a switchblade. Watch how this pops open. Then they have. Um, then they have the legal authority to arrest them. I I just think that from what it sounds like, a lot of that stuff is just going to, that case is just going to fall apart. You know, they're going to have to find a jury that will do whatever the prosecution wants in this case in order for any of this to hold up is, is what it looks like to me. Right. You know, especially when you have the police union fighting for you and, uh, the entire police force is saying this is bullshit. Like, you know, I don't know. It seems it seems a little bit like they were tossed into jail as sacrificial lambs here. They arrested the they arrested the officers. Yeah, all six of them. You knew that. They arrested them and threw them in jail and charged them with murder. Nice. Yeah. So I mean, that's why I, I really don't want to get too down the rabbit hole on that. But I just wanted to mention that. I just wanted the whole reason I brought up the spring assisted things and the uh, knife rights thing is because that this is the case where a lot of that is going to a lot of those arguments are going to be made, Um, especially if it gets appealed. If if they get convicted and it gets appealed to federal court, then, you know, then I think you're looking at um, bigger implications. Right. Well, it's like I said, it's it it is a. uh it's a messy thing, and I, I don't. I would not want to be the guy trying to make that determination of what, who was right and who was wrong here. Yeah, you know, because here you've got it. You've got a situation where you where where you have a group of officers that are dealing with a known felon. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he he. It's not like this guy was a choir kid, choir boy. I mean, yep. he was a known problem child, and uh, you know. Yep, and 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 he had a knife. So you know, if that was if that was he was not maybe he was using well, and it in they, fashion maybe right, and they thought him. and they thought that it was a they thought it was illegal. You know, you yeah. can be wrong. You think it's illegal. You take him to jail, and then it gets sorted else, out let, there. That's that's what judges are for. Yeah, that's what judges are for. The guy on the street. If you think it's illegal, you arrest him. If it turns out you're wrong, you know, oops, sorry, fucked up. But the yep. um. The other thing I would say um, is that I've been advised uh, by some friends who are uh, law enforcement types that if you have a knife in your pocket and the police officer says, why do you have that knife? Say, uh, I use it to open boxes, cut off strings. Never, ever, ever say uh, that's for protection because then it's a weapon. You know, a screwdriver in your pocket can be a weapon. Yep. You know, and then you can you can get a concealed uh, weapon charge if you don't have a concealed carry. Or a, or a hammer. Yeah, any anything can be a weapon if that's what you're intending to use it for. So never exactly. say anything is for self defense. Right. So anyway. Yep, and that's a that's actually a pretty good uh, bit of advice. Um, the other thing uh, I wanted to mention is uh, Dwayne Keith Puckett finished my Daryl sheath. <laughs> he made uh, three of them this week. He said it's uh, he's just lighting the world on fire making them. But, uh, <laughs> uh, he's got a new finish that he's offering, uh, which is a beeswax, um, which is good for um, the outdoor stuff. Because, uh, you know, I, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but one of the reasons I have issues with uh, leather sheaths um, is they can tend to break down or if yeah. you're in and out of water with them um they can you know the dial run and stain everything i mean it, it can be a it can be a problem so I, i'm hoping that this beeswax finish will uh, well, solve I, you a know lot of that. And, I, and i'm 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 torn about this stuff you know there's a lot of freaking sheaths and that made it through the jungles of vietnam Randall yeah, sheaths that they, made it through the jungles of vietnam didn't they're rot. probably yeah but they're probably they probably have the right finish. Oh, oil. Yeah, but but you know, you know a mean, lot of the, a lot of the sheaths like 
um, say say you buy a, a marbles knife and it comes with a leather sheath. Do you think they took the time to make that sheath so that it can be in and out of water? Well, not the ones from China, right? Or or but, any marbles like I my my marbles the, from the pre-China era. I bet you those sheaths are probably just. You know, they know. probably you don't know, have you, any waterproofing on them. You still find sheets from 1900s that were leather. That were made right, though. You know, so I think I, I think what I what I would say is, if you're if you're going to use leather in in an application where you're intending to be in and out of water with it, um, or in a prolonged humid environment for a long time, make sure you get the right. Um, make sure you get some sort of waterproofing with it and also make sure that you maintain it. Like, you know, baby, you like, like it. I tell you what would be really good leather to use in the water would be like baby seal skin. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> baby seal skin and, uh, and walrus skin. Yeah. But you have to like club it. You have to yeah. club it first. Yes. Yeah. Cause some of the blood will help. Yeah. You know. And, um, you know that with the baby seal skin, um, it's always more waterproof if they if there was if there's fear in the hide. So yes, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. but uh, <laughs> and and obviously well, people no, there's, that was tongue cheek. There's there is actually a uh, you know there probably is leather some leather uh, that's been, that's been um, tanned certain ways that they'll be more weather resistant. But I mean, really, I haven't you know I haven't had that quote-unquote rotting problem no you know, yeah. most of the guys are using nylon string to hold, to stitch things together and you know if you get any kind of custom maker he's he's going to make some kind of sheet that's you know it's got it's got properly tanned leather and it's yeah. not going to spoil and you know so i i don't i what uh what do you use on your dive knife um well my old randall had a uh uh a leather sheath i used a leather uh wow it was wax coated. I mean, I yeah. dove it for freaking twenty years. Yeah, so and, so and, it, uh, it it was it was treated. Yeah. yeah, it was treated leather, and it's hard like a rock. It's almost yeah. feels like a piece of plastic. But then, but how then did I, you maintain it? Like when you get out of the water, anything. you just never rinse did it. Just rinse it just, off. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Just rinse it off. Yeah, never well, did anything. Never never applied anything to it. Never did anything to it. Okay. Um. The now the mission knife I have is a uh, some kind of a injection molded plastic. Yeah. Okay. And that um, holds up real well. I mean, I like the aesthetics of the leather sheaths, uh, and um, I'm hoping that this beeswax solution will be, uh, will well, be I something tell you, that I, lets me go back to using leather. I freaking hate, I hate nylon. Oh, I, I don't like I have, nylon sheaths. I, don't I carry hate one. nylon sheaths yeah, completely, yeah. and and um, and I'm, I'm like, eh, Kydex is okay, but it's not leather. Yeah, I, I mean, aesthetically, I prefer leather. Um, it's just, it has, I, I have to know for sure that it's been treated right and that, that any dye that's in it is not going to leach out over everything. Because I've, you know, take a pair of leather gloves from the store and then go use them in water and watch what happens to your hands and to your clothing. You know, unless they're like a special treated thing, you, you know, the dye runs, and it just turns in. And then, you know, leather gloves, they turn into rocks if you get them wet and then dry them out. So uh, that's that would be the only thing I would say. Um, let's see. So with the Daryl knife that I ordered, I've decided what I'm going to do with it. I think, um, and I've decided why people like it so much. So it's it's a movie knife, you know, it's in Walking Dead, so it's got the exaggerated features. But the other thing is, I think the reason it appeals so much to so many people is that's a Bowie knife. You know, it's just a modernized take on a Bowie knife with some exaggerated features and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, and of course, I liked it because Daryl had it, and he's my favorite character. So I've decided that uh, I'm going to take uh, take it and put it in a safe which, by the way, after I move, I have to get a safe. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I'm going to put it in the safe, and then once I get my mill up and running, I'm going to remake it, <laughs> and then I'll use the sheath that uh, Duane is making for me. Mm -hmm. um, nice. But I'm, I'm going to remake it with a more ergonomic grip. Uh, I'll probably, you know, because it's got the 
the guard on there that's that's uh, part of the knife. I will probably um, do uh, brass bolsters over that, you know, because I like the look of brass. And then uh, I'll probably do like a camel bone handle, and then uh, that'll be kind of my Daryl knife. <laughs> so yeah, cool. And make the handle a little bit a little bit easier on the hand. So. But yeah, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna vault the original. Nice, yep. nice. Yep. Well, um, that's a that's a cool project. Yep. That'll be fun to make. Yep. And That'll I'm getting uh, if if my closing goes well on my house today, uh, I'll be living on M37, which is a Michigan road. Uh, and so I've decided uh, to. Uh, get a new stamp made with the M37 and nice. uh, just to differentiate the Iowa blades from the Michigan blades. Uh, and I'm going to change the way that I number things. So right now um, on the Iowa made knives, I number, I've been making series of knives and then within that series, there'll be like 20 of them and it'll be like one, two, three, all the way up to 20. And then you'll get a different number for a different series. So I was thinking of just changing to where doesn't matter what knife it is, it it gets stamped in the order that it was made in Michigan. You know, so it might it might be that um, the serial number on uh, a different kind of knife starts at like 400 instead of you know one. You know, and then that would just that would just put it on a definite timeline. Um, you know, from Michigan-made stuff. And I was going to have that M37 next to the serial number so that uh, I can tell where it was made and stuff. But, that sounds cool. Yeah, because I, I keep really detailed records of when I made certain designs and how many of them I made and all of that stuff. But um, I'd like to just be able to look at the blade and be able to tell from that, mm-hmm. you know. So That's anyway. awesome. Yeah. So, so American Knife Company, their blades are getting cut out. Nice. Uh, Which ones did you weekend. go with? Uh, well, we had some engineering issues that we're still addressing with uh, one that looks like an ideal, the Cruiser Series. Yeah. Um, so we're working through that right now, but we had uh, this other this other design that was, a, we're calling it a forest medium, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, um, a bushcraft type knife. That was inspired by the Skookum Bush tool. Right. Um, we've made some subtle changes in it, and uh, it'll be considerably lighter than the than the Bush tool. I talked to a lot of guys about those are that ass heavy. Yes, very, 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 the, very the actual, heavy. The actual the uh, actual Skookums. I've I've played with three or four of those, and they're great, yep. but they're freaking handle heavy. Yep. And a lot of guys that it's it's kind of funny because it's one of those knives that you talk to people who have owned one. Uh huh. You, know, you you very rarely run across people that own them. Oh it's yeah. It's usually it's usually what happens is they they have owned one or two, and they sell them. I, they they get I think they get sucked in by the allure of it, and then when they actually have it in their hands, they're going, yeah, this is kind of heavy. This is kind of yeah. doesn't it? It's a it's a great design, but it's it's heavy. It's a lot heavier than I think it should be. Right, and, and and that was the chief complaint out of all of those that, that anybody that I've talked to that have has owned one has uh-huh. has always basically said something like that, and, and then the the uh, uh, when you combine that with the fact that it that it was always kind of a grail knife, and then once you have it, and you're like, oh well, it really shouldn't be a grail knife. Yeah, um, you know, they they get rid of them. Yeah, and, and, and performance wise. As long as, we've said this before on the podcast, as long as you have certain characteristics built into your bushcraft knife, one one maker is the same as the next. Right. You know, it's right, not exactly. like the Skookum is some lightsaber. It's right. just the reason you want it is because um, it's, you know, the the guy worked with Moores to develop it, you know. Right. And yeah. it, it, it hits pretty much all of those... Uh, all of those criteria, except that the top of the handle is flat on some of them, um, which you're not supposed to do. But, you know, it hits basically all of them, so it's going to perform well. But is it going to perform, would you rather have 500 bucks plus 
um, you know, a, a knife that has the same exact characteristics and performs just as well? Or would you rather have the $500 knife? Yeah. You know, it's like... Well, and it's, like I said, it's it's one of those things that, uh, that I think that the things that we've changed on it make it a better performing piece. Yep. Um, and, uh, plus we've, we're making, we're, the next one on, in the cut list is a smaller version of it. Mm-hmm. Once again, a smaller, lighter version of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Um, you know, we're doing the pommel different, the handle's a little bit different, um, a little bit different shape, you know, and, and uh, we've clipped a little more of the blade than than the other. Uh, so it uh, so it looks, it has a good look to it, uh, but I think that because of the handle, because we, the things that we've done with the handle, we've made it quite a bit lighter. Uh-huh. Um, I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised at the at the level of performance that we get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're building a sheath that is uh, um, can be used as a uh, a neck sheath if if you so desire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pouch style sheath that's got four uh, six rivets on it mm-hmm. on the on the four corners and in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you choose to carry it around your neck, you can you're welcome to. I'm not a big fan of that, but it also will have a strap on the on it so that you can carry it right or left-handed nice <clears throat> and a fire steel tool sweet yep you know so it'll be a it'll be a nice package and i think the guy you know we're making uh i think the first run is uh 300 nice uh so we'll we'll get a lot of them out there and we'll get some some feedback right away and and uh, if we need to make any more changes we can surely do that yeah hey we need to congratulate uh tm hunt uh, the M18 is now a movie knife. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. So he, the M18, everybody knows how crazy I am over that. Uh, it's basically a tracker, only um, full-sized. <laughs> uh, you you got to look it up, uh, TM Hunt Knives, and then uh, the M18. Well, I guess last night it was on uh, Naked and Afraid. So uh, congrats to him and to Murph on that. That's quite an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it, it uh, I like it because now uh, my M18 ca- is even more valuable. Who who <laughs> carried that? Who carried that? Oh, I people would have to look it up. I think the guy's name was Buck or something. I, I don't know for sure. Um, but uh, I have number six, and uh, mine is further that more valuable because uh, it has uh, the hole in the uh, guard, which the is. Hole? Right, which is uh, technically you're not supposed to do that. Um, no, and no, so no, I have no, no. One of you the can't last call ones. it. You can't call it what he calls it, but you can put it there. I don't think you can. Oh yeah, you can. We got to get yeah, you... Anthony Scalambrini on on I the case, we, but we I, I thought we that. did, and I think he I think he found out that you can't put that there. Now, I think what, I think I think what it is, and and you know obviously we'll get letters on this. I think what it is is that you cannot call it that name that he uses. A talent. Put it there because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's other knives that have that hole. Hmm. Not really though. Like what? I don't know off the top of my head, but there's other knives that have a hole there. Well, I'm sure there are, but like he he has the trademark on it, and nobody has successfully challenged it. Oh well. You know, so I think I, I, it seems to me that email. I'd have to look that up, but it seems to me that email said that you can't use the name Talon Hole, but you can put a hole. That's like saying you can't put a hole in a knife. Spiderco tried that. Oh, okay. They weren't successful at it either. Hmm. You know, they tried to they tried to uh, say that you can't put a hole in a knife. Now, people put you know, and they'll say, "Why well, put this Spidey hole?" You know, in there. And uh, but but you can't. What you can't do is you can't do. I think a hole, a hump, and a hole, a hump, and a lock. Uh, I don't. I know. think you can't. I think you can't do that. They they have that successfully patented. Yeah. But you can't. Uh, um, you can't call it a talent hole. I know that. Yeah. I know that. 
But I think you can call it a douche hole. Yeah. <laughs> well, at any rate, uh, mine has is one of the last ones made that's got that. So that's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, I don't know much else. Uh, started watching a new series last night. Oh, yeah? Grim. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, uh, kind of a... Uh, uh, a little bit different. A little yeah. bit, you know. I think it. I think it's a. Uh, it's going to be a good. Uh, I think it's going to be a good show. Yeah. You know, Walking Dead series type thing. They have three uh, three seasons out on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. So uh, we started watching them last night, and uh, you know, my wife was afraid that she was going to have nightmares. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> I'll have to. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to watch that, see if that's yep. good. Yep, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting. But For our uh, uh, our knife fans that are uh, geeks, uh, you should check out the uh, Facebook group Bushcraft Geeks. Uh, I'm a member, and we, we talk about all sorts of things on there. But if you're not already a member, I have a uh, dice game to recommend, and it's called Bang the Dice Game. And it's... Uh, it's it's based on a card game from Italy where you are like gunfighters. It's, it's not it's not X-rated. No, yeah, it's you're you're like gun old west gunfighters, and you fight each other and stuff, and then just randomly, uh, every once in a while, you're attacked by Indians, and most of the time it doesn't really do anything, but every once in a while they just go crazy, and there's like a massacre, and there's like actually consequences. <laughs> so it, it's not very politically correct as a game, um, but it is a lot of fun to play, and it's really quick. Um, that's a good one. So uh, that's really all I know. Yeah, we're, we're um, uh, like I said, we're, we're getting ready to go to uh, go on my trip, so I've got, I've got some packing that I've got to do. Um, I'm, my ride is going to be here in a couple hours. Okay. So I've got to I've got to get my load out all on the front porch so we can load it up and go. Okay. And uh, so uh, if there's you got nothing else. Nothing. Okay. So guys, like us on Facebook, um, knifejournal.com. Go there and join the forum. And uh, I was planning on doing a giveaway this week, but I'm gonna have to wait till next time. Okay. I've got I've got something uh, that everybody's gonna love. And um, uh, like us on Facebook. Um, check us out on uh, you know the, our two profiles, James Noka and Kr Verstig. Um, if you if you want to uh, friend us, uh, you're more than welcome to. Otherwise, uh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just go and and be miserable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're pretty upbeat kind of guys, and. Um, uh, the other thing is, uh, drop us some positive feedback or negative feedback, I suppose, if you if you're pissed off at us on uh, on iTunes, you know, because we're uh, we're always looking for for reviews. Yeah, you know, the crazy thing is, is if you Google search, uh, we end up on all these like top charts for the podcast. Yeah. But it's crazy the ones we end up on. It's like. Uh, you know, we end up like in the top in Japan for like hobbies <laughs> section. You know, like there's all these crazy lists that we get on um, based on you know whatever. But uh, I haven't checked the stats, but but it, uh, the last time I looked, we were like above twenty five thousand uh, listeners. Yeah, which That's... is mind bending to me. But you know, this is the seventy fifth. Uh, actually, we should have said this is a 75th anniversary edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyways, um, so anyways, if you uh, you know if you have any questions, drop us a note at uh, knife journal or podcast at knifejournal dot com, and uh, we'll we'll answer your questions for you. And uh, I guess until next time, you're going to be in Michigan. Probably we'll be doing one in Michigan before too long. It's pretty likely. So there might yeah. be a couple week break here. Maybe yeah, a little bit gotta, longer because I got to get like moved. You got to move. Yeah, you got to move. So uh, just remember, keep your knife sharp and your friends sharper. Yep. And we'll we'll see you soon. Yep. Bye. Bye bye.